This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's the nightclub of the future. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. And welcome back for week 60. 60? 60. Wow. If we were a person and not a show, we'd almost be able to get three o'clock dinners in. (laughs) And not be frowned upon. I technically eat my dinner at three you, o'clock. You really do, man. It's so strange. <laughs> like, usually when I come home from work, it's kind of like, I'm wrapping up dinner. And I'm like, man, it's like 5.30. You're <laughs> wrapping up dinner. I'm like, I'm not going to get to that till at least 9 tonight. I know. I know. I know. You should see when I... Because I'm ready for, like, lunch when people are still rolling in to work for the morning. You know, at like 10 o'clock, I'm like, they don't have the soup out yet? Like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they're not going to, no one's going to have soup out at 10 o'clock in the morning. That's just ridiculous. But good for you. Like, I st- like, uh, yeah. So I usually wait until like 11 and then like they start to have the lunches. To get all your chores out of the way so early in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a guest again this week. We do. We have a very exciting guest this week. We do. And you were a little bit nervous about it. You were like making the biggest deal about it. Like I've never talked to like big people before. It's not that it's listen, man. And I've talked to people it's who were difficult. That is what I was going to say. It's not that she was big and she is big, but it's more the difficult aspect than anything else. She's quite tiny, but she has a very, 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 very large and in charge personality. But we will get to that. (laughs) We will. So why don't we first go into this week's Did You Know and see if our listeners get a small hint of what's coming. Well, I think you mean... Like they don't read the... uh, Oh man, did I really do it you again? Did. Every week I'll jump to the did you know and because some weeks I'm just you. like it's all I don't about even you. want to do the did you know. It's all about you. I don't even like, want to do it. That's all that you 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 only care about yourself, Mario. All right. And yes, that is another Mario comment. You're welcome. It's fine. It could be. Drink. All right. <laughs> So do you want to do a you heard? How about I'd that? I'd actually like to do because a you heard. Because you're just too goddamn lazy to do a did you know? Like you can't <laughs> just do a did you know when I ask you to? Like you have to do a you heard? I'm not allowed to have more than one segment, Tom. That's only for you. I'm getting to the point where you can have them all. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know how it goes. <laughs> Give me a synopsis. Anyway, let's get to the you heard. So this week's You Heard is actually fresh. The wound is still fresh. (laughs) It comes to us from Central Park. 
the lower part of Central Park, like just off of 59, like just inside the park on 59th Street. We were walking up the path and a gentleman goes, or his wife goes, did he ruin your shot? Now, what was that in regards to? You, because you just like (laughs) barreled down the path. But the guy, like in your defense, the guy was taking like a picture of a fucking squirrel. I don't understand the fascination with tourists and squirrels like you have never seen a squirrel like are there not squirrels anywhere but in central park let me tell you something because you said the magic word tourist and squirrels because have you ever gone to a place and just saw cows roaming along the countryside and you're like going holy crap that food is free and roaming about the cabin like this is crazy this guy was looking at it the same way that's really what it came down to this guy was looking at it like holy shit there's like a, a squirrel burger you ain't gonna get better Ew. than that i bet a squirrel burger is very just i think the only nasty. thing you can make out of it is jerky like I can't imagine squirrel you being able to, jerky. Like, I bet you that. Yeah, that yeah, sounds like it might be jerky. good. Yeah, I could totally. Like, like see you it. really think that's a thing, don't you? It probably is. And I like, know people you could ask. And like you know, they're West all Virginia related to you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. So, anyway, so we were coming on this guy. You are like trying to barrel over me already. Go on. So we're coming up the path, and like we see this guy taking his photo. So we're like, okay, like we pa- like we slow down long enough for him to like take a shot. But then it's like. What felt like a half an hour goes behind. It's like, dude, like you don't need to like take up the whole sidewalk in order to take this fucking photo. So you just like walk right in front of him. I don't give a shit. All right. So there's more to set up to this. It was more than just him taking a picture of this squirrel. There was like four people were, taking a yeah. picture of the squirrel. And, and he wasn't even like that good of a looking of a squirrel. Like I've seen no, better squirrels. He was just a gray squirrel. Big fucking deal. Like, we're in a city that has diversity. There are brown squirrels. There are black squirrels. Take a picture of a gray squirrel, you fucking like, racist. There are even raccoons. <laughs> there are raccoons. Like don't go near the raccoons, Don't go though. near the raccoons, though. So the deal, with the, with the deal with squirrel was is it was on the left side of the path, and everybody was standing on the left side of the path. But this douchebag had a zoom lens and was standing on the right side of the path. But so blocking basically he the was whole way. Yeah. in the middle of the path because yeah. you could stick, keep to the right and just zip right, past everybody yes. that was standing mm-hmm. to the left. Indeed. But no, that's not the case. So I'm going to totally like bamboozle. You can have all of it. Did you know? You can have it all. <laughs> and you know that this is the point where I'm at. You're just like, yeah, have it all, have it all, have it all. But, like, this guy was just standing there. Like, we stopped. We waited. We did, and I said that What the that fuck already. am I supposed okay, to do? like, you have to get your two cents in. Okay, we did it. At some point in time, it's like going, look, man, like I was telling you earlier, you're not... You're not looking through your camera lens and watching a tiny TV show. This is real life. People have places to go and shit. It's like, just move out of the way. All right. But one more thing. This wasn't my first run-in with a tourist and a squirrel. I was sitting up by, like, like just at the base of, like, Great Hill, like, into, like, the middle of the park a couple months back when I had a day off. And, like, I spent, like, five hours in the park. I just, like, wrote in my journal for, like, five hours and just people watched and dog watched and stuff. And I found this awesome, awesome bench, like, right by this little pond where the willow trees are. And, like, it's really, really pretty there. And I was just sitting there by myself, minding my own business. And this squirrel, like, you know, like, because they're very friendly. So he, like, came up and he was just like, hey, you got any food? And I'm like, nope. And he just, but he, like, still, like, hung out near me all of a sudden like I'm sitting there writing in my journal and like I just look up and I see like feet like uh, as I'm writing in my journal like I see feet come into like my peripheral vision this person was sitting like 
as close as you could get to me in this entire huge park. And they're like talking in like broken English. Like they sounded like French or something like that. But they like, so they were like talking really loudly and really slowly. And they were like, there is a squirrel. Like, and I I kept hearing the word squirrel and it was like, oh my God. Okay. Like there's a squirrel, but like, why are you standing like right on, like right on top of me? (laughs) And that like, I'm over it now. (laughs) This is the reason why you don't get stories like that oh, along. Because, because seriously, because just, and, and that's the end. <laughs> and I'm letting you know that so we can move on now. Because <laughs> you, like, you go off on your tangents. Okay, forget it. That's the end of this week's you heard. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. It was good. I'm glad you let us know when we, we could all... <laughs> when I'm over it. When I'm over it, it's time to move on. We were on the end of our sheets, but we all settled back in nicely <laughs> after you told us we could. Thank you, Nikki. We appreciate that. So how was that you heard relevant to this week's guest? Because this week's guest is Rose Hartman. She is a renowned photographer. She's there it is. Photographer. She is, yes. So she's photography. So it was like, and (laughs) her whole career has been, you know, and like you might not know her name, but you definitely, definitely have seen her images. Um, If you've ever seen the picture, like, like especially like think Studio Fifty Four, like think of some of those, like Andy talking to Jerry Hall or Bianca on the white horse. Rose Hartman shot the most famous version of that photo where Bianca Jagger is sitting on this white horse that was in Studio 54 for her birthday. And she looks very sultry and very sexy in the, in this, like, the, one, the most striking image. But other show, like, other show, like, other photos show from, like, a different angle and stuff like this. But, like, this one is just where she's, like, she, her eyes are kind of, like, half closed. And she's just, like, God damn, you are, like, sex on a stick, Bianca. <clears throat> Rose shot that photo and she has gotten into, you know, every party, like major party in the city. And she photographed like Halston and all these huge, huge names. And she was like the first photographer to really go backstage at Fashion Week, which now is a huge, huge thing seeing behind the scenes of like what goes into putting it on and like the models getting dressed and stuff like that's such an iconic part of Fashion Week now. And Rose was, you know, the driving force behind that. Yeah, she launched basically what Fashion Week is today. As yeah, opposed like to just from a the photography event. aspect. I, yeah, from, well, yeah. Just to general public because people get to see the pictures that are happening in Fashion Week because she was backstage. Exactly. And other photographers started taking suit and then... Yeah. So, yeah, so she really yeah. like spearheaded that. Yeah. Um, so Rose, who is constantly hustling and, you know, she is the subject of a documentary by Otis, Ma- Otis Mass who this video this movie just premiered at NYC Doc uh, Doc Yes. Oh my god, why can't I speak? Yes. Doc NYC. Yes, I know which is, the one. Which is, you know, the largest documentary film festival. It is. And it just, you know, last week it premiered. So we have an interview with Rose Hartman and Otis Mass. Roll that beam footage. Well, I have to give you um Oh, hold on. We're not rolling it. We're yet. not rolling it. We are such a mess. Like, and you have to forgive us. We have had a really rough late, like a bunch of life. late nights. It's been a, it's yeah. been a rough life, <laughs> it's basically, been a rough life is what lately. it is. But 
I, you know, because this was like the first time that I took the equipment, the equipment, and set it up. So I was a nervous wreck. I was a nervous wreck because you know. But you had a lesson. I know, but like I but didn't really want didn't to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't want to pay attention. Whatever. But I did, and I set up the three microphones, and you know. Because it was Rose, it was the director. Rose, the, the, yeah, it was Rose, and then the director Otis, and then myself doing, you know, right. You know, so it was like I'm setting this up, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna screw it up. So like, I used my phone to record it as well because I'm like, I fucked something up, and I did. I missed the first. I missed myself asking the question because I forgot to hit record. Well, how important is that? <laughs> how how important? So so it's just some guy going, talking, <laughs> rant, just just in the middle of conversation. So we're picking up right immediately after I ask Otis, what was it about Rose that made him want to do this movie? And now we can roll that fabulous bean footage. Roll it. All right. Honestly, I think the her image that grabbed me first was uh, Bianca. I'm sorry, not Bianca. Uh, Jerry Hall and Andy Warhol. That's what really got my attention. Um, and just to know that she, it, well, now I know she's a genius herself, but to have been that close to a genius, uh, so, you know, it's hard to impress yeah. me, but uh, Andy Warhol, you know, He's up there. pretty pretty <laughs> awesome. So uh, it, I was just really intrigued, and her book was amazing, and I, uh, ha- I brought along with me the executive producer of the, uh, of the company uh, and her assistant, and I uh, I, they were sitting near me and in the middle of it, I was whispering to her, I said, I, I, we need, I need to meet her. Um, will you uh, please go make contact for us? Because uh, it, unfortunately in this world, having a go-between just seems to help. <laughs> um, and I'm, I mean, I'm not a self-promoter, or, um, I don't like doing it, but so definitely having someone to promote for you it's just that's why I couldn't do any of the celebrity outreach. Like I needed my producer to do that because otherwise people would just be like. So uh, after the thing, after it ended, and uh, she went. Uh, basically, I sent Sally over to meet Rose, who owns the artist company, and she's the executive producer of the film, one of them, uh, but the main one. Uh, and uh, they had a lunch together. Um, and then I was set up with a lunch, and the ask, the idea at that point, I wasn't really focused on features, was I thought I might make uh, a, what I would was calling longer format, like a three-minute piece to promote her book mm-hmm. for my reel and for her promotion, because um, I just loved the subject matter. And then we had our first lunch together, and I saw just that there was a lot more there. And I knew after that lunch, I said, I, I think there's a feature here. I think there's a feature here. And then started the journey. And did you have any trepidation you know, being the subject? None? No. Okay. No, to be quite honest, throughout my life, I'd, I had known different filmmakers, etc., and they would say, oh, I, I think you would be a very interesting subject. And I'd say, yeah, great. But it never went past the uh, that brief conversation. But I had it in somewhere in the back of my mind. And again, when we 
all had the lunch at, at Morandi in the village, uh, very close to where I live. Um, it was, I think, very comfortable, and I felt, I, I don't think I ever said this, that I could trust um, Otis, you know, with my life, actually, because it's my reputation. I mean, yes, but she did ask me, you know, why should I let you do this film? Because you're not, because you're not in the fashion industry, right? And my answer was because, specifically, because I'm not in the fashion industry. I have fresh eyes and a very um, genuine intellectual curiosity about this and about you, and I'm going to notice all the details that everyone else takes for granted because they're in that world. Yeah. I forgot that that was the question because I'm very involved hey. with. People in the, uh, in the world of style, I like to say, uh, many of the witnesses in the film are obviously from that world. So Otis did come from a very different world. He'd never been to a fashion show. And I think our first get together was going to Carolina Herrera, which was like, you, can, you cannot get better than being, you know, in this case at Lincoln Center and being surrounded by not only the models in Carolina, but the entire audience, which is made up of, you know, the most important uh, people in New York. And Otis, what did you say? Like, here we are. He'd never been. It was like going to the moon. <laughs> and what was that moment like for you, you know, just being among all that for the very first time while you're making, you know, this very first Well, you know, film? I mean, I've been in commercials. I, I'm, not, I'm not starstruck, per right. se. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. It was cool. I think I would like to go if I'm, uh, you know, VIP instead of. I, got, I kept getting downgraded. Like I was supposed to be sitting next to Rose, and then and, and then I was in like, you know, across the way from her, and then and then I was in the standing room, and then I was in the standing room behind the standing room. And, uh, no, but I, want I had to, a long lens with me. I want to say he had a long lens, and it was almost as if you were right there because he, I mean, I was amazed by that because I couldn't even see where Otis was, you know, mm -hmm. and the lights are so strong. And what happened when they said, "Okay, take your seats." I had really been given a seat in the second row, but I thought, mmm, there's a, an empty seat, and I grabbed it. And so he had a straight line down to me, and then um, using... She knew generally where I would be. Yeah, like, just generally. I'm on this side, so don't be shooting from there, <laughs> from who knows what. I mean, but it was definitely not close by. Yeah. And, and you know, I, it's funny, because, you know, we talk about access in the movie, and I didn't even bring up the fact that, yeah, she saw her moment, and... Uh, Gosh. Snatched it. <laughs> Actually, that's... Yeah, yeah I think snatched is... No, cool. but it, it was an opportunity. I mean, it's... It, it's and again, it wasn't taking anyone else's right. seat because when they say, okay, and they're uh, picking up the uh, rolled carpet, that's the moment where you, no longer can anyone be seated. But I know this because I've been to a thousand yeah. shows. So it was just... Uh, also, it's a very positive uh, representation because, you know, I never wanted to make it seem like she was sneaky or anything like that. Right. Like it was no, it was it's a, it's like no, this was opportunity and and it wasn't hurting anyone. And honestly knocking the scene to me is so important because I you know, no one was shooting other photographers shooting people in in the 70s, 80s or 90s even. Mm -hmm. Um and I needed I wanted to see her shooting and show what she was getting. And so her getting that See, got her a much better vantage that 
I liked the photos enough that they made it that they made it in the film, so I could really show her process mm -hmm. and also how how she is so spontaneous. It, her instincts, her you know, that's that's what I think is probably uh, your greatest gift. Thank you. I like to be in these interviews so I get a compliment occasionally from the director. Well, it, it was, a, I thought, a momentous day. First of all, it's, it was pouring out. I mean, it was probably the darkest, dreariest day physically. But then, you know, once we were inside, it, I mean, there is magic. And, and of course, you know or don't know, Carolinas always starts Fashion Week. So it's a very exciting moment, you know, 10 a.m., Monday morning, and then boom, 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 it goes on to many other designers. But she's, she's like the queen bee, really. Yeah, speaking of compliments, there, I think there's, correct me if I'm wrong, there's like one moment where we hear your voice, Otis, and I'm really curious about the that fight. scene. Because um, it's just, it's such it's a everyone. fun moment for me that really shows off the dynamic of the two of you making this movie. Um, I was wondering if you could tell me about um, why you put that in, and maybe, Rose, how you responded to that. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> what sometimes comes out in Q&A or doesn't, uh, people ask about the scene, a lot of people, you know, they enjoy it. Um, it's there because uh, people don't necessarily know in which order I shot mm -hmm. the film. And there were kind of three big major interviews with Rose. Um, and so the only time we had, I had shot her before that day, that was that was the first big interview, and the only time I shot her before that day was Carolina. So we we were still feeling each other each other out, and I, I uh, am often um, overly polite. I, I um, grew up in the South, and uh, so since it was so early in the process, it was and and, and it was a very real moment, and um, it was truly the moment that I realized. Uh, being polite does not work with Rose. She doesn't. She doesn't respect it. Um, not not polite, I, uh, but just right. being demure, <laughs> demurring to her. Uh, is she wants she wants opinions. She wants right. directness. She wants. Um, she, and I also realized she needed some. She, she can't create this energy on her own. She she needs someone to bounce it off of too. Um, so I also knew that I had to be uh, more involved in the uh, in the interview process so it's a funny moment um, I hope she's fallen in love with it for a while uh, she really wanted us to take it out and I just it, I felt it it not it wasn't simply entertaining it was like a pivotal moment. It, it, yeah I mean it was it was right at the beginning and so you know I didn't need to say it but it is very real and it was great and I mean how can you not love someone after being with them for this long. I mean, uh, yeah, we, we have our dust-ups, you know. And what made you come around to, you know, letting that be in the movie? Well, first of all, it's Otis's movie. <laughs> and I think that's my answer. Um, I'm very finicky about language. Um, I think words ha are very impactful. Um, and they were they were impactful, and of course I've accepted it because I I really do love the film, and I I found myself with tears in my eyes, which I didn't have when I was back back in Austin. I, I don't know what changed. Maybe it was because 
um, a number of the people in the film were in the audience last night, and we had had such a wonderful celebration with a dear friend of mine, Omar, at his uh, restaurant. So it was just uh, leading up, 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 and I thought, my God, I mean, this is really interesting because I was listening again to the audience and, and they would laugh, and I love that. They didn't just sit there. I think in Austin, they were more quiet, they were respectful, but they didn't really get it. I mean, and somebody else said, it's really a kind of a New York story. Even mm -hmm. his comments uh, are perhaps more appropriate to, for New York or LA, but. I have a question about words in that same vein is, we hear so many adjectives used to describe you, Rose. We hear like nimble, we hear loud. We ha Why is incomparable the perfect word? Think the title word. Um, well, first of all, it was it was really funny because it was like four years of arguing over <laughs> film titles. Were well, there like first draft titles? <laughs> it's not even worth um, <laughs> putting it out there because I, you know, I, there was one that I came up with initially that I loved, and it doesn't matter. And um, because, well, first of all, she had started to use incomparable in her books um, and uh, it had just been the Rose Hartman project for so long and we had been on social media etc that I was like well at this point um, I think we're doing a disservice to ourselves to try and come up with some new nifty title like no filter or um, I, I mean, literally thousands of titles right. were tossed between yeah, us. Yeah, thousands. And uh, ultimately, I felt, I'm, from an advertising perspective, I've we've created a brand. She's already, she has her own brand. She it's created having synergy with uh, the books that she's putting out, um, and just knowing that everyone knew this project is the Rose Hartman, and she is the incomparable Rose Hartman. I mean, I I know there are other people out there with boisterous personalities who are photographers, but I don't think you can compare Rose to anyone. She is, uh, uh, in, in all honesty, there's, not, there's no sarcasm here, she is an original, and she is a risk taker. And I think, uh, I'm glad that some of that's rubbed off on me. That's great. I was going to ask, you know, what, you know, has a chance, has being alongside her for so long with her personality, has that kind of affected how you, your personality is now? Uh, I mean, I think it would be impossible not to. Um, I think uh, she finds herself in certain situations being a little bit softer, um, especially when I ask her to. <laughs> I'm like, Rose, what, you, could, you know, nice. Or, but it, 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 Rose, did and does uh, inspire me and uh, to see what she was able to do with her life inspired me to put the amount of work that I needed to do to get this film to the point it is and I'm so happy that I did it. I also had a huge learning curve. Uh, the, 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 all the industries are so different and insular from each other from, you know, and this is indie documentary, which is very different from, but advertising, I, I, I was, you know, I, I, in terms of after we shot the film and after it was edited, 
everything beyond that was so out of my league and I, I, I had there was a huge learning curve and I had to learn it so that I could help make the correct decisions for the film and we seem to be doing pretty okay so far. Yeah, so um, Rose, you have such a large body of work and I'm sure you have even more stories about that. I was have it, millions of stories. Yeah, was it hard to narrow down just a handful for this film? Well, I would say that um, there are certain images that are iconic for me and so whenever I'm asked to talk about my work or, for example, when the New York Times did a beautiful um, 12photo.com team magazine, I mean, I was so thrilled. Basically, when editors choose, they usually choose the images that I love most. I mean, we're, we're not having any discussion. So, in a sense, I think that through so many years, and also, you know, these images have been published in various magazines, and in my books, Incomparable Women of Style and Comparable Couples, um, that's it. So, I mean, I, I'm always editing in my mind. So if you ask me, well, Rose, give me 10 of your uh, favorite images or the ones that you think are long, classic. Uh, you know, it's always going to be Jerry and Andy because, of course, it was Beauty and the Beast. And, you know, thinking back to that time, you know, you shot the most glamorous people that the city had seen. You know, is <laughs> there somebody or people today that you think can capture that kind of magic that they had? It's a question that has been asked of me very recently. I would say Kate Blanchett who one I adore as an actor and I adore her style and her chameleon-like mm -hmm. uh, ways for each and every role. But I can't say that I'm sitting here and saying, oh my God, I wish I could photograph, you know, like Bella Hadid or what. To me, they, the, those girls cannot compare to Stephanie Seymour, Cindy Crawford, or Naomi or Kate or Linda. And that they were they they were the women who wouldn't get up for less than ten thousand dollars a day, you know. <laughs> and who do you think you know back then would, would have you know the best style of Studio Fifty Four? Like who, if you had to pick one person that just embodied Studio Fifty Four, and both of you because you know you were aware of it as well, mm -hmm. you know. I would say so many people did, and well, I mean, Jerry Hall was fantastic. I mean, she was like a goddess with a long golden hand, you know, beautiful um, on every level. And um, people, you know, people came and went. They weren't there every night. So one party might have Debbie Harry, who had her inimitable style. Um, I don't know if I could mention one a person at all. Could you? Of yours? Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, well, uh, a couple come to mind, but I, my first answer would be Grace Jones. Um, okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, both because of, uh, of of her beauty, but also her style was very unique. And uh, you know, Rose is kind of like Rose to a degree. I, I, I call her. There's not a stitch of disco in this film, and I. <laughs> knew that that was not going to happen from day one of shooting um, because it would have been expected and I didn't want this to become marginalized as a Studio 54 film, right. which is something that recently I've, I've, it's easy to identify her by Bianca, but 
that's what people don't understand is that all of these other iconic images throughout a 40 year plus <laughs> career, because she's not done, um, are Princess Di, uh, Kennedy Jr. I, I was, they didn't hear the groan. I was expecting to hear that last night because there was a private club that saw it up in uh, Westchester. So I, I had seen it with a, uh, I screened it with a small group of New Yorkers. And that's why I knew last night it was going to be special because the energy there was right. completely different. And there was this, not, not a bad groan, it was like a, a collective, ah, oh, you know, just what a tragedy. And I, I, we had screened it, I don't know how many times at that point uh, that we had been through most of our When the John festivals. Kennedy picture came up? Yeah, yeah and it I, never I, I, had <laughs> that reaction. So I knew that be, that screening in New York was gonna have a, its own, and that's probably why I was, I'm on, I'm on the right, yeah, I was bawling <laughs> at the beginning of it, and I was like, I've seen this film hundreds of times, and what's going on here? Right. Well, New York has its own special magic, and she is a New York, you know, she's, she's an icon of mm -hmm. photography here, so that's, you know, it's coming, bringing that home, you know, so I think that's right. Well, when I look at the picture, of course, of the Kennedy couple, yeah, I... Mm -hmm. Kate Moss, that, I, you know, I there have been lots of features... Uh, done on her and you know I probably would have curated some of them differently um, so that doesn't get anyone in trouble I don't think um, I think it's vague enough but I, I'm like no I would have put this one in the mix and uh, but that's me everybody's uh, everybody's got their own thing but I, of course I want her uh, her exposure to be the best possible exposure not that any photos are bad I just preferred something some are more uh, either iconic or special right. than others of course yeah, I think that's a pretty kind of great thing about this such a big body of work is that everybody latches on to something different and a different part of it mm -hmm. um, and in that spirit I guess do you guys have is there a moment in a film that either of you call your favorite moment whether it's like a quote or a story or Anything like that? Well, I love to swim, and that's my passion. In fact, I'm going to go to Equinox across the street since I'm uptown now, and I have my bathing suit in my bag. Um, well, Otis was really rather, shall we say, uh, clever. He swam under me, mm -hmm. and people asked, well, how, who was doing that? As if, <laughs> you know, there was some... I don't know, little angel, but he actually got in the pool and he had to hold his breath and I was swimming and this was in the uh, producer's pool and it was just a beautiful day and that was pretty impressive to me because that's, you know, one of my uh, great passions. If, when I travel anywhere in the world, I always say, and do you have a pool? Mm -hmm. uh, well, somebody else will say, do you have a golf course, you know, so <laughs> that was a very special. That's my favorite scene in the film. Really, the same scene? And we never discussed this before. No, uh, we never did. It's uh, <laughs> I want uh, in my very very short, very quickly. I started off in the advertising world in, in more of the fashion, uh, uh, you know, beauty area, and uh, really hated the personalities, uh, and moved over to more of a documentary style um, because I really found a knack for talking to people and getting into their heads. Uh, but I already, I married the two, you know? I wanted it to be beautiful 
and documentary. It didn't have to be shaky, Blair Witchy, and low right. lo-fi. And I'm, you know, commercial directors worry about thirty seconds, not seventy-one minutes. So, um, to me, that it, it it's it's a visual palette cleanser. It kind of takes you from one part of the film to the next. It gives you a little breather. Lets you absorb what you've. Uh, already seen and get ready for what's coming up. Actually, I think directly after that is the fight, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. So this tranquility right before the fight. But really, I wanted a, a, just a breath, a pause in the film. And I think it's, I, I, it, I just thought it was beautiful. And yes, I shot it. And um, also our uh, color corrector, uh, Chris Ryan at Nice Shoes, who's, in my opinion, uh, probably He's my he's the best colorist in New York uh, for it, but he's more known in the commercial world. But he's done a bunch of features as well. But he made he also was able to take what I did and and, and give it uh, a little bit more zhuzh, uh, some some of those amber tones and um, yeah. So. yeah. Well, I think it was very romantic actually. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was uh, it was unexpected because again I didn't know you know what would be used or what mm -hmm. would be on the cutting room floor. And I found that uh, very moving visually. And I, I think you did uh, really achieve something by using that in the center of the film for that, as he said, a visual quiet, quiet moment. And then it would turn into... And I would like to make a comment about the editor, um, a young man named Ian, um, who took a bow last night. He, he's very shy, but he is beyond brilliant, and I always think that the editor, in a way, is unsung, you know, and I think that he really deserves so much praise, and that Otis could find somebody to work with to achieve his goals. Yeah, I, and he really was incredible. The story of a documentary, if you're, if you're making a real documentary, is told in the edit. Uh, I try to go in not having an agenda, trying to cover topics and see where they go in the edit. Um, so we we don't really have writing credits, uh, but I've always, you know, kind of in private. And last night was actually the first time I said it publicly. Was mm. um, I didn't even say I consider him. I was like my co-writer Ian Mayer because if I had to put that credit, I would say we wrote it together. Um, he went through the footage. We we talked about story threads and. There's so much that didn't make it into the film, including entire interviews, which, you know... Yeah, there was... Uh, and now people are saying, well, why did you leave out so-and-so? I said, well, Otis had to make a decision who would, I think, lend themselves to moving the story ahead. And obviously, it couldn't be everybody who he had actually interviewed because it would go on forever. Maybe we need part two. Or, yeah, or there could, there could be a director's cut. I hadn't thought about it. I just yeah. thought about it right now and to, to explore those other... And a lot of interesting people, I might add. Mm -hmm. I mean, gallerists, artists, right. like Colette, Staley Wise Gallery. And he really gathered so many more elements than actually you, you, know, you can see, would see. There, and there was so much footage that it was overwhelming, and also I wanted Ian's uh, unbiased eye. I didn't, 
I mean, if there was something missing that I remembered that I thought should be in there, we'd talk about it. And sometimes it w wouldn't go in, sometimes it would. Uh, but otherwise, I was really trusting his his instincts as he whittled down the best moments, and that, that's what he did. He had, nobody was ignored, um, but we were covering a subject, and um, the most intriguing lines about that subject uh, made it into the film. Yeah, and I remember um, in the press kit, you were saying that you really didn't want it to be a pub piece. You wanted it to be... Oh, surely it's not. <laughs> yeah, which is why, so funny. It's why it's so great. It's definitely not a puppy. I knew it was a process of, of, of getting Rose to be comfortable enough in front of the camera to, to let down her guard. Uh, and uh, I, I just, and she won't, you know, of course she won't. I think she, I, I think you are glamorous in the film, first of all. So she asked, she wanted to be glamorized and not humanized. And I wanted the opposite. And I think yeah. we met somewhere in the middle. Yeah. yeah, I think that's absolutely apt. Yeah, I said, what, humanized? No, I don't need that. But actually. But uh, yeah, but I brought up uh, the Joan Rivers documentary often uh, as an example of this woman who allowed herself to be naked to a degree. I mean, Joan Rivers without makeup on is probably more dramatic than me streaking through the streets. So I was like, that's what made that compelling. And that's what made people identify with the film. And my film is essentially a character study of a very uh, interesting woman who is, uh, I think, a, a, a wonderful example um, for, um, for, for women everywhere. Um, I, uh, this is a tangent. I hope it. I hope, but but it's it's important, and I haven't told you this because it only happened very recently. But you know, I'm listening. Post, She's wrapped. Post, I'm okay. Yeah. Post election um, <laughs> stuff on Facebook, and I'm I'm watching it, and and I I grew up in the South, so I've got a lot of f friends in my feed that are on both sides of right. the issues. Um, and one person posted. Uh, why didn't why isn't anyone talking about um, how uh, uh, Trump's campaign manager was the first woman to ever run a successful presidential campaign? And um, I've been very conciliatory. I, I just think that this divide is only getting worse, and I, I won't. You know, I, I delete comments from my page if they're negative and divisive. And I said, I find it interesting, I mean, that you need to, to qualify her as a woman because uh, earlier today I was just saying how brilliant she was for being able to identify a group of voters or groups of voters that would elect Trump from a sociological, you know, unbiased perspective. I simply called her brilliant without having to call her a woman. And that's what I've, and online, I said, just like when anyone asked me about Rose, she's a photographer. She's not a woman photographer. So I feel as though I'm past that. Um, and we all should be past that. Our first, I mean, our first black president who I love and, but, because he was a great president, in my opinion, and um, also he's mm. 
he's the pastiche of America. He's he's not black. He's half, and I don't understand. You know, this is going into way too <laughs> I serious think that's of a, a bit place. of a tangent right now. That's super tangential. You can take that part Please. out. But point being, I a lost lot of people. You. We one of the things we left on the cutting room floor was any not anything. There was a little bit in there about her breaking a glass ceiling, um, but she stands up on her own as an artist, as a historian. Uh, she's a lot of things. Not a paparazza. No, Not at all. I mean, I like to tease people in the film and tease her a little bit by, she was probably getting very worried the first screening <laughs> when she started seeing people calling her a paparazza on film. And But I, I, I played with it. I think it's very obvious that she's not. Right. And uh, I think it, that the... Uh, the uh, witnesses weigh in that she's not. And just going back, you know, to, to the early days of your career, you know, um, is there any advice that you would give to Rose after she decided that, you know, photography is the way that I want to go after you shot that wedding? Um, I, I don't think I was ever a businesswoman. I think I, I um, and that comes out in the film, you know, I was just, interested in being in situations where I could capture people who I thought was were worthy of being captured. So I no, I no. I think though, in terms of uh, the Catherine Denouillet? Deneuve. Deneuve. Okay. Um, I think your reaction to seeing that in print though that didn't make it into the film. What was your reaction to... That was kind of the first major photo of yours, right? No, my first assignment was actually going to that Hemingway wedding and meeting Mrs. Hemingway, the widow of, which was beyond exciting. And I was actually doing it for an airline magazine, and I was told that if I went to her home in a car, she would shoot the wheels because she didn't want anybody showing up. And I rented a bicycle, because also I'm a bicyclist, and I remember going there and saying to Mary, where are you most comfortable? And she said, lying in a hammock. And that, for me, was really the beginning. And I, and then I couldn't believe that it was on the double page, and there, there she was lying in a... So that's... That's the early, and I was bitten, or I would say addicted, because I do love to see my images are published. And if I'd open Vanity Fair and see an image of mine, I, I would be really thrilled. And I'm not thrilled very easily, as I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> I mean, she's, she's critical, and that's good. This film would not be as good without her uh, behind the scenes as well. Um, Honestly. Okay. <laughs> she is the So that was our interview with Rose Hartman and Otis Mast. We are getting, I feel like, so many creative people now. Yes. Which and is good. Yeah. And it's really, I mean, it's, 
like it's just I, I I find because I don't I'm not like you and Tyler where I don't think visually like when mm. I think of things I think of how I'm going to paint the picture with words mm. because that's like because you're a wordsmith because I'm a wordsmith mm. I'm a word like <laughs> gurbler whatever and now you see, as soon as you say wordsmith, I think of the word W, or the letter W upside down and somebody nailing horseshoes onto it. Okay. Because I feel like that would be a good logo for a wordsmith. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> don't act like you know my process. Whatever. But yeah, so it's like, it's fascinating to me that like, like and especially like when I watch Tyler, because I've been with Tyler a bunch of times where she's taking photos and it's like watching how like her like how her mind is working like I'm gonna twist the camera this way or I'm gonna like go over here and get it from this angle and like I don't see things like that so it's always awesome to like hear how people think about that and like you know I love watching what inspires people or hearing about what inspires people yeah I get it it's (laughs) but with her it's a little bit different because you and I we watched a documentary together Mm -hmm. and um it shot beautifully and it's oh my God, edited it's so, so well. Yeah. It really is very, very fluid, the movie. And it's short. I mean, it's it's not a very long film. I think Yeah, like, it's like a hundred and it's like hundred and ten or eleven minutes. Yeah, and but I they <clears throat> cram so much yeah. into it because she has taken some very historical photos, yeah. especially of, you know like Studio fifty four. Like you can't you can't Google Studio fifty four and not see at least one or two Rose Hartman photos. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, she's all over it. But what we did learn from the documentary was that Rose can be a little bit overpowering. She, Yes, she <laughs> sure can. She sure can. And, you know, and it's kind of like you have to be. And I kind of wish that I, I was more like that because, like, I'm kind of like I talk a big talk, but I don't walk the walk because I get shy and I get, like, introverted. And, you know, when something like... I don't know. Again, I just think like you have to seize your opportunities. And I've like after talking to her, it's like, you know what? Like in hearing her and like just how she is and like she's very inspiring in the way that like she makes you want to just take charge with like what you're passionate about. Yeah, but she's also kind of scary when you see her in the movie because oh God, she comes yeah. off as so abrasive. <laughs> like there's a point where there's somebody who's in the gallery and she just kind of pushes him out of the way because somebody wanted to take a picture (laughs) of her. And she's like this tiny little old lady who's just like pushing people around. Like, get out of my way. And like she pushed him out of the way and he wasn't even like heartily in frame. Like he wouldn't have been in frame. Like, and it's so funny. And I, but I love like to how like throughout the movie you see certain points where she goes to like functions where her photos are and stuff like, and people are like are on their phones and she's like oh like did you look at the photos my photos are over there did you see my photos no you didn't oh no you didn't because you're me. on your phone like and she like literally just like just bulldozes people and like but I think that's interesting because people are so involved in themselves and like you're going to the gallery opening or you're going to this event to say that you were there. You're not going because you give a shit. You're saying and like and I do it too. Like I can't wait to Instagram this meal or I can't wait to Instagram that I was here for this, you know? Yeah. And like that's the kind of world we live in now and she does not seem like the kind of person who, you know, she doesn't put up with that kind of shit and I think no. that's refreshing. And she was walking up to people being like, are you drinking or are you looking at my work? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's like going, man. But that, I think, 
I was trying to talk to Ty- little Tyler Durden about this whole thing because, you know, with her interest in photography and stuff, we have talked many times about what it's like to try to capture a photo. And people, you know, people are ignorant in a lot of a lot of times when you're trying to line up a shot. Going back to <laughs> All You Heard, where this guy's trying to shoot a squirrel, and I'm squirrel. just like, look, I'm going through it. But the thing that makes a good photo isn't necessarily the setup like how much time you have to capture a good photo Mm -hmm. it's that moment of pressing the button if the second you saw that squirrel you pulled that camera up and you hit the trigger on it that element of surprise that caught you can be captured in your picture Mm -hmm. once you start setting it up it's not a surprise anymore now it's staged and nobody gives a shit about a staged photograph i mean unless you're in advertising and you can make money off off it but that's it so you know and that's interesting that you say that too because you know Otis comes from you know an advertising background like this was his first feature film so he came from this you know and like that's kind of interesting that like you go from that dichotomy of shooting this to someone who you know captures a moment the second it happens and that was something that she prides herself on is that she gets into because a lot of the times she's talking to the people that she was photographing and getting them to let their guard down, and then she's snapping her photo. Right, but there's also the the pitfall of everybody else trying to snap that same photo at the same time while she's doing that behind her or something like right, that. Right, or yeah. just waiting for her to get them like where they need to be, and when she's ready to snap hers, three other people can try to take that sure, same picture. Sure, of course. No one's going to get the same angle because she has it in she her She has head. it where she, she wants it to be. She knows what she wants the person to do and what reaction she's trying to and get And as to we've learned, she is not afraid to use her elbows to get the shot that she, she wants. She is not. And you can't be. And that's, that was, that's the thing that I was telling Tyler. I'm like going, <clears throat> photography, real photography is a contact sport. Like if you're going to do like, I'm trying to capture an emotion. I'm trying to capture like, you know, like the situation at hand the way I see it right now. Mm-hmm. You might have to like go through people in order to make that right, happen. Of because course. people aren't gonna wait for you to do it. So, you know, she is not afraid, Rose that is, mm-hmm. to just get in people's faces and do whatever yeah. she has to in order to get those shots. I will have you know which... that I once stepped on Danny Clinch, who is a famous, famous, famous rock photographer. Mm-hmm. I once stepped on his foot while I was holding my Nikon Coolpix point and click at a concert in Jersey once. And what show was this? It was All Points West. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It was like a huge show. It was like the very first show and like a bunch of people were playing there. And I was just like, yeah, Danny Clinch. And like I looked up and I was like, holy shit, that's Danny Clinch. And I just like, I took my photo and I just like skulked back because like he had his like Danny Clinch official <laughs> photo. And I'm like, here's my little like... Stupid camera. Well, you know, those zoom lenses are more for protection than anything else. I mean, they weigh a lot. You can <laughs> yeah. club somebody to death with one of those things. Yeah. Not too much effort. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the Rose thing, I would say I was surprised to find out that her passion is swimming. Yeah. Hearing how that shot was taken in the movie is incredible because, I mean, it's just a picture of her kind of swimming in the pool. And, and it's shot from underneath her. So, like, yeah. you've got this, like wavy light and like this beautiful blue and i loved that that was both of their favorite like that scene and it's just like what is it it's like not i don't even think it's a minute long and it's just it's it's just this like slice of time and it's just like this calming 
you know, and that's why they both liked it so much because it was just this beautiful moment shared between the two of them. But it's also something that's very, very important to her. Yeah, well, it's also shows that like there's some kind of at least calming aspect in her life mm-hmm. because if you're just following her around, like it seems like she's never calm. But even during the interview, that doesn't come across like that. Yeah. And that's the other thing I was telling Tyler. I'm like going, you kind of have to, in a way, become somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that was my question when I watched the movie. It was like, is Rose going to be the person that's in this movie? Where she's actually, and and the movie's following her around, like it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's going it's to events staged. with her. It's right. yeah, and she is like amped up, and she will bulldoze you, and she will knock you the fuck <laughs> out of her way, and it doesn't make a difference because you know she has the persona of I am the artist. Mm-hmm. This is what I do, and right, yeah. I'm gonna be featured. And I told Tyler, I'm like, it'll be interesting when Nikki goes to the interview. I'm like, because. Will it be the Rose that, you know, shows up and is that personality? Or like as Was so that a many right, right, as yeah. so many artists do, it's like you have to create a persona so that when you're out, you people like right. say, Don't mess with this person. Right. Like and, they're in the middle of a process. And and before we started the show, when I would talk to comedians for press, like I you know, we always <laughs> I always talk to comedians because there was like a theater, you know, back in Pennsylvania that like always had them come in. And when I first started doing it, I was like, oh my gosh, like this person's going to be like so crazy. And like, it was like almost a dud because their <laughs> personality is gets turned on when they get in front of the audience. So it was just like, yeah, like I just like, well, some of them, of course, were just, you know, who you, what you see on stage is who they are. But like Rose was 157% the Rose that you see because like she was, she is who she is and she doesn't ever stray from who she is. But she doesn't but sound is... like. But she's not like a like crazed. No, in the interview right, process. Yeah, like it. She it was like slightly more subdued, but like you could tell that like the switch is very loose. With it's it. very loose with it. Like the switch, like <laughs> she could switch from you know zero to sixty in in a second. Oh, so yeah. it was really awesome to talk to her and the setting that we like. Oh yeah, tell her, us about oh, the setting. Oh my gosh! So it was. In um, Trump Tower on Central Park West. Yes. On the 41st floor. Yes. And it was um, an amazing apartment. Like, it was so... The view. Like, I don't even care about the apartment. Like, the view of, like, looking up toward our neighborhood of Harlem. Like, it was just a beautiful, beautiful setting. And it was so fitting because she is such a New York person. She's a New York native through and through. And here we are talking about it. And even she and I were even talking about, you know, she's like, this view is incredible. And then she's like, where do you live? And I said, like, oh, I live in Harlem. And she goes, she was oh. like, oh, poor people. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was like, oh, so at least like you live closer to this. And I'm like, yeah. And like, but not like, I'm like, I don't have a view yeah. like this. <laughs> so it was really closer. nice. With a, with, a, with a NASA telescope, I can see to park beautifully where I'm at right now. <laughs> but it was really just, like, it was just a nice moment that she and I had. Like, we kind of just shared this moment of, like, awe at the city that was spread out before us. And that, and it kind of showed me that she's still, you know, she's she's not just like, oh, I'm just this, like, New York queen that's, like, of the photography and stuff. Like, she just still appreciates the city around her, and I love that. Yes, I love that as well. So, if you want to learn more about Rose Hartman, the movie's called The Incomparable Rose Hartman, and it's a playoff of 
the books that she she's written photo books um so you can go to um the incomparable i n c o m p a r a b l e for the bad spellers out there it's and the people who won't be reading the description in the show <laughs> this week even though it will be written right out for you whatever but, all right, you have to on. give you have to give people everything tom where you go speak and spell <laughs> so it's the incomparable rose hartman and it's h a r t m a n .com and you could find out all the information about uh, the film there and we'll also of course have links like tom said all right. So thank you, Rose, and thank you, Otis, for speaking with us. It was charming to meet you both. Indeed. Thank you very much, gang. And now, shall we get into a roly-poly rorty? Oh, please do. Is there something behind me that you need before I start? <laughs> I'm going to give you a paper cut right on the tip of your nose. You do that. Roly-poly rorty. Roly-poly rorty. Speaking of being unprepared, Tom, you did not do a roly poly party <laughs> this week. <laughs> so suck it. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't like waving you down like a person who was like on a desert island watching the first plane <laughs> go by to like hand you a piece of paper. It was like, you are literally two feet from it. Just get up and get I the d- piece of paper. I'm I don't not, know what you're saying. I'm in I the middle to, of my I would have had to get up. And like push the chair back, which would have caused sound that would have angered you, and then stomped over to get it. It was literally right behind you. You barely even had to turn. Mm-hmm. I hear you. <laughs> anyway, Tom, yes. how's it going? It's going. How's Roly Poly Rorty? Roly Poly Rorty is okay. Um, it's hard to fit in Walking Man with work. Like, it's got to happen like at weird times and stuff like that. Like the whole exercise aspect of this weight loss thing and i'm i'm psyched to do it like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm i want to like get out and like start running again and do a couple of 5ks here in the city and i mean i know i'm not there yet right i still gotta get to it but i mean every night i'm still trying to get in between like five and seven miles a day and i you know i go to my desk i sit there and it's like going oh it's you know 11 hours and I'm still sitting at my desk and yeah. I haven't got up for lunch because when I was you know before the operation I'd be like I gotta get up and get lunch I'm hungry now yeah. I'm not so I just lose the day completely now yeah and like you know I remember when when I stopped smoking yeah I stopped taking breaks like at work and because when you when you smoke you're like oh like I'm gonna take a break before I take a lunch and then like because you know like by law you're allowed to have like lunch and like supposedly supposedly you know but and i remember like after i quit smoking it was like oh i'm not gonna go outside for like 10 minutes so i'm just gonna sit there and work through and then like you find yourself working longer and longer not and just sitting at your desk you know so i think that's like that's got to be kind of hard when you're not hungry and you're not accustomed to like getting up and going downstairs and finding lunch and stuff yeah because seriously i mean I wish was this was always the case because there were so many times where I'd be at places where I was like, oh, man, I'm really loving what I'm doing. And, you know, I don't care if I get up and I'd be like, oh, no, I'm starving. I got it. Right. Now I'm just, you know, there are points where I'm doing stuff and it's like, going, oh, my God, I'm working on like something like that's not as exciting as I would want it to be. And it's like going and now I'm still stuck in this chair. Now, you um, one of the things that you love about the Apple Watch is that it makes you do things like and it makes you be mindful of being active. Do you still are you still getting up like every hour? Are you still doing your breathing exercises and stuff during the day? 
The breathing exercises are a little bit hard. I feel like there are times where I hyperventilate anyway, so I forget I can use that as my breathing <laughs> exercise. Panic attack <laughs> yeah. is not a breathing exercise. <laughs> I'm like going, oh wait, it's it might be. I, you know, anger management, Lamaze, whatever you want to call it, okay? <laughs> um the standing up, yes. To the point where, you know, my roommate is looking at me like why are you just standing up in the middle of the room and swinging your your arms arms around it's like oh what are you doing and i'm like going oh the apple watch told me i have to (laughs) so i mean yeah it definitely um it definitely is still working i saw today that your friend tiffany Mm -hmm. on facebook was asking people's opinions on the apple watch i guess she's considering getting one Mm, did you did you weigh in on it i did weigh in on it and i usually don't because if it's not involving a puppy i really don't care honestly every don't care every single time you like are flooding my feed with dogs and i'm not complaining (laughs) but it's the cutest of the cute cute. i I really make make prime choice selections yeah it's usually a lab or a frenchie like never some scrappy little shit dog no that will never never <laughs> never be reposed, like seriously. But I mean, you know, I told her I was like, "Oh, look!" I go, "I," because she started the, with the pebble the same time as we did, and we were like all following each Fitbit. other. Fitbit, yeah. What did I say? Oh, cause that was two ago. Yeah. So we all started with the Fitbit at the same time, and and Tiffany and I like she would give me like a run for my money, and I I still wear my Fitbit, but I can't sync it because there's like some situation. So I am hoping that the big red. Christmas man will be bringing me something under the tree. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Keep making unwanted noises that you can get hollered at for. <laughs> That's just being so specific about it. And I was like, I know she's going to do something stupid with the mic or bang a cup on the table. I'm just going to hold this one. Like, I, just let's see how it all well, works out for us. I'm glad that you didn't notice when I took my glasses off to rub my eyes. And I like the, the like the whatever this is. What is this part called? I don't know. I'm not an opto- <laughs> optometrist or whatever the hell that person is. Optometrist? Yeah, one of those. Anyway. Well, one's a trist and one's a gist. I don't care, Tom. All right, go on. So anyway, <laughs> yes, so, so I told her, I was like, look, I'm like, Fitbit was, gr- it was a really, really good starter thing. And then I feel like the middle ground is definitely the pebble. That was a really good metal, middle ground where mm-hmm. it was like, I could tell time and I can do my workout. But now, like the Apple Watch, it's a completely different thing. It's like a, it's literally so a life much. changer. Like it's like when you got your iPhone. It's literally like your iPhone. It does mm-hmm. everything your iPhone does for the most part. I could draw on it, even though the screen is so small. Anyway, can, but we're not talking about the. We're not talking about no, no. But I'm saying it's part of, of the equipment of yeah. being able to like do these different things and be connected. Because you know the thing with the Pebble was if I didn't have it on. The only time I realized it is when I went out for a walk because I didn't. It, it really didn't, didn't do me a lot, any way yeah. outside of oh shit, I'm not getting my but, steps tracked. You know, and while like it was really awesome and you were so excited about it when you got it, when you hold them side by side, like just the technology. Oh, it's alien it's, it's technology too, it versus caveman like, technology. Like, to be honest with with you, like in hindsight, like the the pebble, and I'm not trying to diss anybody, but it kind of reminded me of like, remember that craze back in the 90s? And I was way too old to be part of it, but I was part of it, and I had one. Mm -hmm. But like those Tamagotchi animals that like, they were like the digital animals that like you had to like feed, and then like... dumb. Yeah, like it just reminded me kind of like of that in hindsight, like when you hold it next to an 
Apple, like an oh, Apple yeah. product. But I mean, it's also a huge difference in price. I mean, it was it, well, yeah. it was like half the price of it, yeah. and it's kind of like. Do you want to invest in an Apple Watch? Because it's a good starter smartwatch. It's right. definitely a good starter smartwatch to see how you feel about using such a thing for technology. Yeah, but I fitness. mean, you could save your money and skip right over it and go right to the Apple Watch because they've dropped down in price a lot. Where now they're pretty. I mean, they're not exactly. Yeah, they're even, never going to be not, cheap, but yeah. You know, you're looking at like two sixty versus one ninety nine. So you, you know, and what like are you how saving? much like was 70 it? Seventy bucks off. Like six hundred dollars when they first came out, right? So it's like, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. And don't bother getting the two; just get the one. The only difference is one is waterproof; the other one, you know, isn't. Like you, you can't submerge it. But I can like wash dishes, wash my face, brush my teeth, and if it gets wet, it's like oh, no can big deal. you? Yeah. Oh, the whole you, time I thought you could. <laughs> you just can't go in the bathtub and sink it, or go swimming with it, and have a photographer underneath you like filming the whole thing. <laughs> Although that would be cool, that and would it be would really be my cool. favorite moment in Apple Watch history, possibly. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you feeling food-wise? You know, um, like how are you doing with your diet currently? Good, because I mean, you're I've, eating burgers again, like turkey burgers. I am, but it's so much different now that I'm eating turkey burgers because I'm splitting them in quarters. Like seriously, I can eat half or a quarter. That's what I can eat of a turkey burger. Meanwhile, I'm looking at it being like, I just ate my dinner and I'm going to eat the rest of yours. <laughs> we got. What was it? Last week was the first time I delved into pizza. Oh my god! And it was whole wheat crust, and the place that made it mind blowing. And if they are not on Seamless tomorrow, I will kill somebody because <laughs> all I've been thinking about since the last I time know. we had it is the next time we're going to. I know. But it was. It had like pepperoni. It had like bacon. It had chopped meat. I mean, it, there was so, it was so much good. stuff on it. Was it was so much flavor, and it was just like. But it's still, even though like it was very meat centric, it was very light. Yeah, like if they didn't put a lot of and it's any like a one thin, thing crispy on it. crust. Very, very thin. But the pizza was small. Yeah, like it's a tiny little pizza for tiny little tummies. I would say before this, before the operation, we both would have ordered one each. Oh yeah, definitely. and had appetizers. Absolutely. Because we had appetizers. I think it was we got two chicken cutlet sliders. We both had, I mean, and sliders. So you know they're like the size of White Castle burgers. They're teeny tiny. So we both had one of those, and I had like. A slice of like a personal pie, basically, yeah. is what it was. And it was like, I'm done, but man, I am in bliss being yeah. able to have this again. Yeah. So, because I can't eat a lot, but I can have those things, like, I feel like life is back to normal. The only difference is I have to know when to stop. Right, right. And is, is that getting easier for you? I mean, I, like, you seem like you reach that point and you're just like, nope, and you back away. Yeah, because I've, I've, done the opposite where I'm like going oh it doesn't make sense that I can't eat mm -hmm. you know this like cup of oatmeal like I'm gonna finish it like this is dumb like why would yeah. I throw it because that was always the mentality like I'm not leaving anything on my plate right, I might yeah. be a little bit full and that's like <sighs> a big thing like that's a part of my problem like is that I always feel I have to finish things and like I always like I feel like like I don't know why but I'm like so afraid to be hungry like, and I don't know why. It's not like I grew up, like, where I didn't have food, like, any time I wanted it. So I don't know, like, mentally what that is. And I don't know. But I would say once you learn to let that go, like, mm -hmm. everything changes so much because, I don't know, you just realize, like, I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to feel yeah. sick. I don't want to be up all night, like, thinking, like, you know, I have, like, food caught in my throat and I can't breathe. Yeah. And now are it's you... just like, hey, I'm done. And are you, like, you're enjoying eating, you're enjoying, like... 
Yes. And I think knowing that I can have it makes me have a little bit more control, mm-hmm. too. Okay. Like the pizza. Like the pizza, I would have ordered four nights in a row. <laughs> like, seriously. I wish you did. But but I also know it's kind of like, all right, I'm not really eating that much bread. I yeah. mean, you know, so it's kind of like if I can just wait till Saturday, that would be a reward. Yeah, and, instead and I think of, that's awesome. Yeah, instead of eating like a personal pie, I'm eating a slice from a personal pie. And then... A couple I know. hours later, if you want it more, like if you want more, you have yeah. it a couple hours later. Like you wait until your body's like, hey, I think I need something. But you're looking at the calories involved and it's kind of mm-hmm. like I go for one walk and I burn off yeah, every meal. Exactly. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like last night I walked from 59th Street up to, you know. No, you walked from 51st Street. 51st Street <laughs> up to 116th Street and then, you know, took the subway just two stops to get home. But on the way up there, like – I'm just thinking to myself, like, man, like, there is nothing that I ate today that isn't burnt off by the time I get done with this walk. So... So what about weight? Have you weighed yourself lately? I have not weighed myself lately. Why? I would be weighing myself every five minutes. Well, Which is not healthy, which is so not healthy. No, but here's my thought on it. Like, I was thinking about it, and I was like... You know, I keep telling everybody, like, I did not do this for vanity reasons. Right, I know, but it's just a bonus, and, like, I know, people are curious. I know. I can tell that I'm losing weight because I could tell, like, how loose my pants are. I was like, going to say, my you sneakers have, are loose. You have droopy drawers. I do. And eventually, I'm going to have to, like, do some clothes shopping I or get s- oh, suspenders. So one of those two things are going to have to happen. And if you've heard us talk about Tom's tantrums in food stores, you can only imagine <laughs> Tom tantrums. In clothing stores. That's why he only goes online unless he has to get measured, which is going to suck. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I know I'm losing the weight. And I, I felt kind of like a hypocrite when I was, like, weighing myself once a week to a point because I was like, it doesn't need to be once a week. It could be once every other week. It doesn't need to be, you know, like, again, it's not a vanity thing. I'm not feeling pain right now. Knock wood. Knock wood. I almost just knocked wood. Don't knock. That'll be more unsolicited sounds that we don't need. I know. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) I'm like going, every other week is fine to weigh myself. Like, I don't want to drive myself crazy over that point. I just want to not be in pain. And so far, that operation has done everything it was supposed to to this point. So, good. Awesome. Well, congrats. Thank you very much. And that's it, I guess? Yeah. All right. I'm done with it. Then uh, let's <laughs> cancel this out. <laughs> oh, How's work going this week? It's good. It was actually this week was kind of rough, like not just work wise, but just like my sleep was kind of off. So I just feel very exhausted. And last night I had my first um, like months and months and months ago tickets to David Sedaris uh, speaking at Town Hall in Midtown went on sale and you know I bought them and I was like okay I'll handle like you know my previous work schedule and stuff so this was the first time that I had an event at night and it started right around the time when I'm getting ready for bed like so I go to bed at like you know usually between like 8 and 8 30 really between 7 30 and 8 30 well that's when I get ready (laughs) yeah like I get it depends on the day like but I I start getting ready at like 7 30 so that like I'm in bed by 8 30 at the absolute latest yeah so that gives me like six hours of sleep which you know I very rarely get yeah. <laughs> so, don't, don't don't preach to this choir. So I came home from work. I could get out of work at like one or two. And I came home and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just take a nap because I know that like I'm going to like have to like I'm going to need to sleep. I didn't really nap that well. 
So, but we went to David Sedaris, who is amazing, who's like one of my favorite writers, and he was just so brilliant. And Tyler and I got to meet him, and he was just talking to Tyler <laughs> because he was like just fascinated that like he was like I love talking to teenagers. And he asked her as he was signing our book and drawing a little pumpkin in it. He was like, "Do you have a baby?" And Tyler's like, "What?" And I was like wait what did you just say and he goes like do you have a baby and Tyler's like no and he goes why not I think that would make high school really easy and and I was (laughs) like lord yeah and I was yeah not any of us and um I was like yeah I'm like no because she's smarter than that and she knows we'd kill her if that ever happened kill her dead then Tyler says something that fascinates David Sedaris and she says (laughs) my school does abortions which is funny that Tyler would bring that up, number one. But besides that, what the first time you hear that, you're like, what? Yeah. No way. And I remember when she told me that originally. And that was, this was back in, like, I think, what, like 10th grade or like yeah. the end of 10th grade when the health center opened up? Yeah. And she said that. I was like, bullshit. Like, there's <laughs> no way your school does abortions. And then you come to find out. Sure does. Yeah. It does they ab- really do. It does <laughs> abortions, birth control, and dental. which she told david sedaris and he was completely fascinated well what's not to be fascinated about that that's and he's impressive. like, I think that's great. I think that's great. So it was, <laughs> it was very fun to have like a conversation about such things with David Sedaris, who I've loved and I've passed on that love to Tyler. So it was a really cool thing for us to do last night. So it was worth the exhaustion that I felt this morning, which it was really, really, really rough. And the next time I have an event, I need to think about switching with somebody. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think that would probably <laughs> because be Because I know, like, because as we were sitting there, I'm just like, you know, because you can't help but think like, my God, I'm going to have to get up so early or I'm going to miss. Like, you can't help but like have that overshadow some of your enjoyment of the event that you're at. So. Right. So there's that. All right. Well, that sounds like a very eventful night. You guys came home like super excited, although they wouldn't let you take pictures. That was kind of a bummer. No. Yeah, that was a bummer. And his sister was there. And like she just and she walked right in front of us like Amy Sedaris. She walked right in front of us. And I didn't even like hardly recognize her until I heard her laugh and like that voice. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Amy Sedaris, who I also love from like Strange (laughs) Candy and, you know, various movies and things like that. So that was like really exciting to see her, too. Yay for you guys getting out. Yes, enjoying a New York moment. You got to get them in while you can. Yep. So I was going to do uh Did You Know? Did you? I'm not going to do it, though. Why? Because I feel like we have a very long show this week. So okay. I'm just going to like wrap it up and get to the weekend festivities. All right. Let's wrap it up then. So thank you so much again to uh, Rose Hartman and Otis Mass. We really appreciate you being on the show. And you really need to check out the incomparable Rose Hartman because she is truly incomparable. That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to learn more about our incomparable show. <laughs> <laughs> You can check us out at highregardshow.com. And as always, you can send us your emails to highregardshow at gmail.com. And you can find us on every social media outlet you could think of as High Regard Show. That does it for us, everybody. I hope you all have a great week. Same. Good night.